I know, Ron. We recorded this forever and a day ago. I suck. You're awesome. And I'll just hit harder this weekend. Okay? Okay. The Bar Star Podcast is a show that aims for something a little different. It's hosted by a drummer who thinks he's a musician. But let's be honest. I know and you know that drummers are not musicians, right? Or are they? Hang on a second. Who wrote this crap? This is garbage. Nobody's going to listen to a show put on by somebody they haven't heard of. Stupid. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Bar Star Podcast. I am your host, Stephen O'Reilly. I hope everybody is doing well. I hope everybody had a good 47 days or months or years since the last time we talked or I talked at you. And as always, I hope you guys went out and did some shit. Before I get to today's hang with my amazing guitar player, Ron DeBron. I just want to tell you that if you have not checked out my previous episode or my last episode with my new sister, Natalie Mustang, you need to go do that. Two reasons. One, it's a great fucking show. Two, it kind of ties in with this show because I recorded this episode the day after I recorded with Natalie at the State Fair when we were doing our six-day run and No Filter Band was doing their 12-day run. So some of the stuff will make sense. Some of the stuff will not make sense if you haven't heard Natalie's episode. Now, I must apologize for my lack of making time to get this show edited. So, Ron, to you, I apologize. But to all you guys, I apologize as well. For those of you that did listen to the Natalie episode, I know that somewhere in there I said I was going to have some of my band members on. Well, that is like hurting fucking cats. So I got one. And it's my buddy, Ron Zebron, who was kind of actually my first friend, my first real friend in Florida. So it's kind of poetic, if you ask me. I think it works. And uh, once the other ones hear this one, they're going to want to do an episode as well. And I'm going to tell them, no, I'm too busy. I'm gigging. I don't have time for you. You didn't have time for me. But when they hear how awesome this fucking show is and how good Ron sounds, he's Got a great voice, by the way, kids. It's fucking sick. Like, dude, you should really do radio. I'm not going to do it. Nope. Going to tell him, nope. I'm busy that day. Anyway, jokes aside, this was a really cool hang. Ron and I spent a lot of time on the phone and through text messages and emails and all that stuff when he first, quote unquote, found me and he was pursuing me to be SCC's drummer. We spent a lot of time getting to know each other, but there was still stuff on this episode that I learned I didn't even know. And I can go ahead and tell you now that there will be a part two. Part two. Uh, I'm going to have Ron back and we're going to talk about some more shit. Because even though it was only a couple months ago, there's been so much shit that has gone on in SEC in a positive way in the last two months. For example, somewhere around the end of this episode, we start talking about a video shoot we did for an SEC original tune called Party at the Barn. That video has since been released. Uh, I guess about three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago now. What is today? April? Be a sister's ass, whatever. 
April 27th. So yeah, I think it was released the beginning of this month. Might have been the end of March. But the point is, it's already above 300,000 views, which is awesome. Uh, the video is great. And in the end of this episode, when we were talking about it, I could not remember the video director's name. His name is Joey Durango. Um, so check him out. Find his stuff on Facebook, social media, all that crap, if you can. Um, guy's got a really good vision. He's got a really great eye. And he's one of those kind of videographers that you're not real sure where he's going, but he's got it plotted in his head from beginning to end, and it came together beautifully. The video is really, really cool. So if you haven't seen it yet, go to the old YouTubers and uh, go to the Soul Circus Cowboys page and type in Party at the Barn, or if you go straight to the page and look up videos, it should be the first one that pops up. Along with that... Since that has come out, we have shot footage for another original SCC song called Gator Girls. That one's going to be really, really cool. One of the lyrics in the song talks about this thing called the Sugar Sand Fest, which is a big deal in Clearwater. Uh, I had to learn about it and figure out what it was, and it's really awesome. They do these real great sand sculptures. It's right on the beach, and uh, I officially fucking hate sand. Let me just tell you that there were leaf blowers two or three cans of air windex wd-40 if i had hair i would have pulled it out but all that was involved in cleaning my drums after the show at the sugar sand festival however the show was amazing crowd was amazing we played our asses off and it was a great great time the cleanup sucked so let me reiterate i fucking hate sand and then sometime in the beginning of may we are shooting another video for an SCC original called The Sunshine State. So we've got all kinds of cool stuff happening. We've got a lot of stuff booked. We're already booked through the end of the year, and it is only April. I think we're already working on 2023. I could be wrong, uh, but I think Billy is working on 2023. So all kinds of amazing stuff happening. Everything is, is coming together. I'm busier than a one-armed paper hanger. And I'm not really going to complain about it. It's a good problem to have. So to the task at hand, I sat down with Ron and we had, you guys have followed my show long enough. You know, I don't really have a plan. I'm not an interviewer. Who the fuck am I to interview somebody? But I had zero, literally zero plan for Ron. I just wanted to have a conversation because Ron is an interesting dude in a good way. He's not a weirdo or anything like that, because sometimes when I say people are interesting, that means they're weird. But Ron has had a really great career. He's done a lot of cool shit. I'm not going to spoil it. You're just going to have to let him explain it when you listen to the meat of this show. But he's done a lot of cool shit, and I thought that I knew all of it, and I even learned some stuff in this episode. So I'm pretty excited about it. There will be a part two. Ron and I are going to have to sit back down. And like I said, when the rest of the guys want oh, man, this thing sounds good. I want to get... Nope. Nope. Of course, I'm just kidding. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see what kind of mood I'm in when they finally ask me, Hey, man, I want to do a show too. Hey, you had your chance. Now it's just going to be mine and Ron's show. What about that? Maybe, ooh, Ron, maybe we could do that. We could do a show every week. Nah, fuck that. We ain't got time for that. So without any further ado, I will talk to you guys on the other side of this. But here is my conversation with the amazing guitar player that I have the pleasure 
of getting on stage with every night who still kind of fucking blows me away how damn good he is. My guitar player, my first friend in Florida, the amazing Ron Zebron. Guess what? I just hit the go button. Go? Yeah, go record. He sits his ass. Buttons. Yeah, it's called record. I like the go button. Well, you got don't start correcting me on my own show. <laughs> if I thought I could kick your ass, I would. So, where are we, Stephen? We are at the state fair. This is my second podcast. We're at the backstage. Well, Airfingers quote. A holding cell is more appropriate. Yeah. It does have sort of a, not that I've ever been in a holding cell, but it does have a holding cell quality. I've been in one once. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Shall we go, should we take that left turn or should we just keep going? Actually, I don't know if I've ever told this story on on my show. It's, It's actually, it's really fucking lame. It's so lame, it's beyond lame. Did it involve an, an ankle? Uh, an ankle monitor? No. <laughs> I've never been actually to jail. I just got arrested and went to the holding cell um, or holding room. I uh, I was 17 or 18. Apparently, my license was suspended. Yeah, my license was suspended. I didn't know it. And I mouthed off to the cop. Yeah, he asked me, he's got any drugs on you? I had hair down to my ass. And he said, said, if I search you, what am I going to find in your pocket? And I said, I don't know, some quarters and a dollar and a lighter. And uh, guess what uh, he found in my pocket? Some quarters, a dollar, and a lighter. Uh-huh. He's trying to be a smart ass, and then he booked me. I didn't know my fucking license was suspended. Did you learn a lesson that day? <laughs> yeah, make sure I keep my license not suspended. Yeah. <laughs> that, was the, that was the takeaway from that. That and don't mouth off to cops. Yeah, okay. Just checking. That's the real Just lesson. Checking. All right, so the previous show, I had my new adopted sister, Natalie. We did... Uh, of a show at the fair and now i am sitting with my friend mr ron or ronnie depending it's hard for me to call you ronnie either i've been calling you ron for so long you can call me rz ronnie z (laughs) (laughs) uh you can call me some other things i've been called a lot but yeah the other day i called you a dick dick (laughs) no uh we are sitting in the in the holding cell that's our green room um I am with my buddy, my first friend in Tampa, Florida, the one who uh, actually found me and presented me with the gig for Soul Circus Cowboys, my guitar player, a phenomenal guitar player, Mr. Ron Zabron. How are you, brother? Thank you, first of all, and I'm fine today. You look good. Thanks, man. I mean, you look good every day. Ready to... Thank you. I try. (laughs) (laughs) I try. I actually try. Took a bath. Took a shower, sprayed some smelly stuff on. You always got smell my, good. I don't know if you can hear this, y'all, but got my you got your jewels got on. My man jewelry on. Yeah, I don't wear that shit anymore. I don't no, even have my wedding should. ring on today. You're back there bashing away on drums. It could be dangerous. It is. I've I've hit myself in the face with some necklaces oh. before. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We're uh, we're in a band together. Which we is, are, which is cool. It is because cool. we're both not from this area. No, we're not. Now you've been here longer than I have. You've been here fourteen years, correct? Fifteen years, but we, um, I actually owned a residence here for about four years before I moved here. Oh, gotcha. So I'm, you know, a little bit of a sort of a, a transplanted native now. 
Yeah. I'm originally from the Baltimore, D.C. area. Ooh, you white trash. Uh, I'm well, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, have to, I'm a I, have to, I don't have a whole lot I can bust your balls about, <laughs> so I can at least bust your balls uh, about I, where you're You know from. what? I think we're probably learning stuff about each other right now because we'll probably go cover territory that we just haven't had the time. Probably. Because we are in a busy band. Yes, we Soul are. Circus Cowboys is a hard-working band. Yes, we are. We're on day, what was this, day five. Yeah. Day five of the State Fair, three shows a day. And a lot of times, people don't know this, but we can, there's been times where we do three gigs in a day. Yes. Yes. That's brutal. <clears throat> it can I, be. I, I think it's, I don't know if it's worse on me or Billy. I'll go with Billy because his body is well, his instrument. He works very hard. Yeah. And uh, I would yeah. I would put me second just because I have the most shit. I, I agree. That sucks, uh, but it's still great fun though. It is. Hard work is not a bad thing. I've never been against hard work. No, I'm just checking my battery, making sure that those were good, and they are. They're new. Sweet. So I, I, we're not going to do. You've listened to a couple episodes of my show. You know that I don't do the whole interview thing. Who the fuck am I to interview anybody? So we're going to have a conversation. I gotcha. But I do want to start with. Your your early years of playing, okay. not not the. Oh, I got a guitar when I was four. I don't give a shit about that. Nobody really cares. Gotcha. How did you get into it? What made you go? Oh fuck! I want to do that. I think um, growing up the youngest of four, and just hearing music in the house and the house I grew up in, uh, there could be um, it could be hard rock on the turntable. It could be. Motown, it could be uh, Elvis. So there was a lot of different kinds of music, and I think I just fell in love with music and still am or are in love with music. That's true. You and I have had many conversations since I've been in the band about stuff that, the, uh, and I'm not throwing them under the bus, but a lot of stuff the other guys aren't even into. They just, yeah, it's garbage. And you and I are all geeking out about it. <laughs> no, I, 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 do, I do love music, and I, t- I take music very seriously and I don't listen to it all the time now because I can't just listen to music in a throwaway mode. I got to kind of be it, in the mood for it. It's hard to do after you've been doing what we do for so damn long. Yeah. And it it can be hard to do. Like you, I think I have a very analytical mind. I've been listening and breaking down music for such a big part of my life that I can't always listen to music as just a fan. You know? Yeah, it's it, it. Sometimes it's a chore almost to listen to it and enjoy it. You, I, I agree. You'll enjoy thirty seconds of it and then you'll start picking it apart. Uh, now, and you don't even mean oh to. Oh my gosh! I'll give you a quick example. Um, some people love to fall asleep to music. I cannot because my my brain just automatically goes into okay. Well, okay, they're playing a minor seven chord here, and the drummer's using an a kick drum with a pillow in it. And <laughs> the singer is, you know, singing a flat note there, but it sounds great. And by then, I've been up for an hour listening to music instead of sleeping. <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> Your brain works in a strange way. It it well, yes. There's there's no witty comeback for that. It does it, and it's it's weird, but at the same time, it's almost fascinating how. You can just drift off into this other world. I, like you, I used to listen to music to fall asleep. Um, and I, meeting like you, I can't do it as much now yeah. because my I start analyzing it. But I go the yes. opposite way. I don't think in super technical terms. I just go, all right, I wonder how many takes that one took. 
What if yeah. the drummer actually did that in one take right. or five takes? I bet the singer was in his own fucking booth. I uh, just, I do the, <laughs> not as on the super technical side that you do, that's when, except when it comes to drums, but I do the same exact thing. I just start analyzing the shit out of it. Yes. And at, <laughs> at that point, you can't fall asleep. No. Or you're not, in, you know, I'll, I'll listen to, you know, things with a lot of just people talking and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, TV shows, and I can fall asleep to that easily. Yeah. We, Stacy and I have the, she has to have the TV on. She can't do music. It drives her nuts. She's a hooker, but whatever. She's my hooker. But yeah. we have the ID channel. The ID logo was burned into our old TV. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'm not shocked by that for some reason. I'm just not. I mean, I believe it. It's um, crazy. You ever watch ID, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's murder. Yep. It's all about murder. <laughs> just in case you guys didn't know. I got a strange analytical mind story for you. Yes. This happened to me probably, I don't know, maybe close to a dozen times, but I started doing session work in the 90s, commercial jingle work. And, you know, you've done plenty of sessions. You, you go in and you might hear a piece of music for the first time, and uh, you may hear that piece of music 50 to 100 times that day. Oh, yeah. You know, especially if there's somebody doing a part before you, if there's a vocalist or somebody doing a part before you and your part's waiting to come up, you know, you get your chart, you go do your part and then you leave that session. You don't ever hear that song. You might not ever hear it again. Right. And I've done a lot of sessions like that. And especially with commercial jingle stuff, a lot of times what happened to me is I. Well, don't get too deep into that yet because we're going to get there, but finish Uh, this story because I want to know. Now I'm hooked. I would fall asleep with the TV on and uh, just be wake up out of a complete dead sleep. And it could be three months later, wake up out of a complete dead sleep. And I'd look at the TV and there'd be a commercial that had my guitar part. on it. I swear <laughs> it was the strangest thing that had yeah. to be odd. You know, it'd be a Ford commercial or a McDonald's commercial. And, and I'd be like, I recognize that music. Holy shit. I played See, that. Yeah, you could pull you, pull you out of a dead sleep. How your brain works is yeah. really weird. That that shit is crazy. I think we have untapped potential. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you do. I don't know if I do. <laughs> Dude, I beat on shit for a living. I'm not real fucking smart. Uh, you don't have any untapped potential. No, I don't. Mine's all tapped. Um, okay, so back Go. to the original question. You grew up in a house with a bunch of music, so yes. it was always in there. When did you figure out that you either were interested in guitar or picked your first one up. Or I, I think my parents and my older sister just noticed that I was interested in it, and they got me a guitar for my eighth birthday. And uh, Nice. It all started from there. Gave it to me in the morning before I had to go to school, which was very cruel because oh, that, that was cruel. the longest day of my life waiting for <laughs> to come home and play that guitar. That is cruel. And I never stopped. You know, I, I progressed on it enough from March to December where they got me an electric guitar for Christmas. And, and uh, you know, I got into a band about a couple months later. And my dad took an interest in it and managed the band I was in from a very young age. And You were boy, in a band at eight? Nine. Holy shit. My first, my first gig in front of people was Christmas Eve, December 1974. Oh, and I was... Um Three weeks old. You got me beat. <laughs> no, I was three weeks old on that day. 
Oh, you did your I'm gig. Sorry. No, I thought your first gig was at three weeks. Old. Oh hell no! I started way too late. Wow, you were th- okay. Yeah, I was three. Wow. Weeks. Yeah, because there's ten years difference between you and I. Yes. Well, nine and a half to be real precise, but yeah. So yeah, it just started from there. You know, my dad was. That's like, awesome. You were totally. on stage at He nine. just he didn't even know what was going on. He's like, okay, he came saw and saw me play and just took an interest in it and, and fostered it. Signed, you know, did the thing where you signed for a loan for our first PA system, and and uh, he would book us and manage us. Uh, some of the best times of my life was riding in the company van that he would borrow on the weekends and going to gigs. <laughs> well, you know, this was like the this was the age of no seatbelts because we were all sitting on amplifiers in the back of the van, you know. Yep, and uh, just going to you know gigs and like moose lodges and little. Bars and nightclubs. That's crazy. Yeah, See, I, I knew you started young, young, but I didn't know. I didn't realize it was that you were that young. Got thrown in the mix early, man. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I don't think if it was my dad, I wouldn't have. I think he just took an interest in it and pushed it. Sometimes it, it, it turns out to be an amazing thing. As a former teacher or instructor, well, I should say, it, it's a bad thing. On the on the flip side of that coin i've talked to a lot of friends and musicians that had dads that were the opposite of that that were weren't supportive oh yeah my parents weren't supportive they they thought it was a phase oh this will pass he'll yeah. get over it oh. no not so much wow but there's what i was what i meant by the um the the parents that push too much is and I'm not being mean, but some kids aren't cut out for it. I, I taught enough of them. Uh, Stop pushing them because yeah. you're going to make them hate it. Yes. Let them do something else and then let them figure out what they really want to do. Don't push them if it's, they're not you into know, it. I taught and it's a natural process. <laughs> you know, you're right. If if you push them, they'll hate it. Yeah. I had a student. This kid was he was in high school and he was a sponge he, every single note i showed him he would retain nice the most amazing thing so he was cut out for it yeah you know so there's your difference you got the ones that that didn't do their homework and got ones that absorbed everything oh yeah i've got um in fact i, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day i think i'm up to 14 of my former students that have either gone on to bigger music schools or they're on the road, literally on the road, or they're at least working in some sort of bigger city scene. I've got one in Chicago. I've got one up in Boston. I've got two in Nashville. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and it's, it's nothing I did. I mean, I had a small hand in it and of course I'm, I'm fucking proud of them and it makes me feel good, but they did the work because they wanted it. That's the important part. I know you're you're doing this podcast, but I got a question for you. Did you oh, did shit. you have a high school teacher that fostered your musical interest? Nope. Wow. I had a horrible school experience. My my school sucked. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah, I moved. Well, most of my listeners know, so I'm not going to bore them with this story. But you you remember, I left home at 13, mm-hmm. and I bounced around a lot. I think I was in four or five different high schools. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I don't, the only teacher that had any, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Impact on me, lasting impact, lasting impression is uh, Miss Aldridge. Mm-hmm. And her name is important because she's somewhere down the line, fourth or fifth cousin related to the drummer, Tommy Aldridge. No kidding. Yeah. I love Tommy Aldridge. Oh, I do too. Fucking phenomenal drummer. And her, shit, I'm going to screw this up, so I'm just going to call her. 
I'm going to call this guy her cousin, like her first cousin, was a guy named Richard Aldridge, I believe. Six foot four, built like Tommy Lee, played like Tommy Lee. Wow. I don't think he ever went anywhere. I don't think he was interested in it, but he played his ass off. Man. And she introduced me to him. That's the only teacher that ever had any lasting impression on me. She was awesome. But no, I, I hated school. School sucked for me. I had, I had some really good music teachers all the way up through elementary school and middle school and high school. Nice. I, I just very fortunate. They pushed me along, got me into things. Um, in high school, fortunately I was with, uh, I was at a high school that had a great uh, music department and uh, they were very instrumental in writing a lot of the class syllabus, I guess, for the county. Right. So we were we were lucky we're in a really well uh well received music department. No, that that's cool when you have that. Because I didn't like I said, I, my school sucked. All, my schools, plural, they sucked. I didn't have any in that show. <laughs> I tell you, my junior year <laughs> uh, and by the way, I I also did not like school. No, I hated it. God I hated it. I loved it when I went to music school, but I was also a functioning fucking adult by the time I got there. Right. But high school and oh god, yeah, I, I did. It. I did really good in high school. I was honor roll student. But here, okay, here's the twist. I knew you were Why smart. Why was I a good student? Because I wanted to get out of high school early. I, oh, I had a couple friends that graduated early. That was my ticket. I wanted oh. to get out of there. I got a, I got an audition to a, a university near us mm-hmm. that it was a good music school. I had my grades. I had all my credits, and I wanted out. Fair. That was my motivation. Not See, that you I were, was a great student. It doesn't matter. You were smart, though, because you had a plan on how to get out, and you got out successfully. I quit like three times. I wow. went the, I went the lazy way. Like, Fuck this. I'm out of here. You're a smart guy, man. I'm, you know it, you just you know what it is? It just wasn't. You were over it. It bored like me. Like me. You were over it. It fucking bored me. School bored me. So, all right. So there's 100, well, when I was, back when I was in high school, it may be different now, there was 180 days of, of school during a school year. So from January to December, you went to school 180 days. There was one year, I think it was in ninth or 10th grade, I don't remember. I think I showed up and actually stayed for 65 or 70 days. Just didn't want to be there. I fucking hated it. But the point of this story is the principal calls me in the office and he's, he's going to do all this shit. And, he, and I said, just fucking give me the test. Whatever the end of the year test is, just give it to me. He says, you won't pass it. And I said, just give me the fucking test. Mm-hmm. Stick me in a room and I'll take the damn test and I'll pass it. Stuck me in a room. Three hours later, I come out and I throw it on his desk and I said, grade it. He grades it. And I didn't make an astronomical grade, but I made something like a B plus yeah, or whatever. And he said, how the fuck did, not fuck, but he said, how did you do that? I said, because this shit's boring and this is easy. I'm in school in North Carolina. Yeah. It's not real fucking hard. Yeah. I just, I hated it. And I'm, believe me, I'm not, I'm not um, trying to puff my chest up. I'm not a smart dude. I, I, I'm, I have a lot of common sense and a lot of street smarts, but I don't consider myself super intelligent. But it's not fucking rocket surgery. I, you know what? I, that reminds me of a very specific conversation i had with my main music teacher in high school Mm -hmm. there was a a week or two where i was like showing up late we had the band i was in was opening up for some national bands like i think kicks or something like that so i might have showed up late school and and he took me in here (laughs) we had these soundproof booths in the music department i remember him 
taking me in the booth. It's like, okay, what's going on here? You know, you're showing up late for class. Right. And I remember just saying, look, I'm just bored with this. I'm over it. (laughs) And he's looking at me. I don't like he'd never gotten an honest answer before from a student. And I, I think he got it. He, I saw that he got it. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful or yeah. anything. I was just, look, I'm just over this. Yeah, I don't want to fucking be here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had my first job at 14 years old. I was working. So mm-hmm. I was working and going to school. I mean, I kind of had to. I didn't I didn't have a home, technically. So it, it, that was my thing. Wait, um, I can sit in this building for eight hours and listen to these fucking people yap, or I can go make money. Peace. Yeah. I'm going to go make money. Oh, I get it, man. I get it. So it, it, that's pretty funny though that you did the same. A lot thing. of generations, oh, man, be- a lot of generations before you and me did the same thing. So it's not really, not really strange. I just think that in the time that you and I grew up, is it became expected that you had to go finish high school. You had to go to college for four to eight years. And, right. You know that doesn't that shoe doesn't fit everybody. No, it it doesn't. But the the. Um, to, talk, to use what you said earlier, the flip side of that coin is because that shit was instilled in our generation. Yes, it was. It was. It was rough for me as an adult to say that I didn't graduate high school, that I don't have a high school diploma. So I ended up going back and getting my good enough degree, as I call it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's good. Which helped, but it's still. Oh, you got your GED. No, I, you know what it is? I think it's a great way to. That chapter that you didn't finish reading in a book, it's a great way to finish that chapter and move on to the next. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm glad I did it because if I wouldn't have had it, I wouldn't have been able to go to AIM later on down the road because I I didn't go to music school until I was 29. I think you and I talked about that. Most of my people know that, follow the show, they know that whole story. But, yeah, I didn't go to AIM until I was 29. I mean, I started, I did everything late. I can't believe the balls I had to go to audition to get in early to music college it was, you know, me with an acoustic guitar sitting in front of three professors that knew infinitely more about music theory than I did. <laughs> they probably and forgot more had, about it than yeah, you knew. They forgot more about it than I knew. <laughs> and I had the balls to play in front of them. And, but I got in, I did the same thing. I had to audition to get a name. Man, it's fucking crazy. I couldn't believe I did it either, but that's not talking about me. Yeah. Let's go back gotcha. to you. So you, so what was the school that you went to? Towson university which was, uh, you know, it's just a, it's, you know, a state university, but it had a professor there by the name of, see if I can remember his name or after Hank Levy. He's a, an American composer and a brilliant professor. So that music department and there were other music schools around had just a stellar reputation. Nice. So all your music friends, if you told them you were going to Towson and under professor Levy, you were, Doing something. You were the shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are the shit. I play with you every night. I hope I still remember some of that stuff. I do. I do. Please don't. Please, please, please don't try to bust that out in the next set we got to do. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to get all modal on you. That's what I was afraid (laughs) of. Uh, Why is Ron playing jazz chords? What the fuck? (laughs) Hey, you dick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so how long were you in that school was it like a two a normal two-year four-year kind of two thing? years gotcha then i got a, a gig to go out on the road and 
did that for about a year, lived on the road and came back to Baltimore and just worked and worked. Now in, in our millions of hours of phone conversation, and we'll get to how you found me and all that shit, but did you, you told me that one time you were either in a band or you were really good friends with the singer from kicks. Yes. Um, I forget his name right now. The band I was in in high school was doing, it was a club band back then, you know, and clubs were huge. Yeah. And I mean, you, you could play a, a couple of clubs that were around the Baltimore DC area were like the size of grocery stores. Yeah. There were a couple thousand people in them and kicks. had just got signed to Atlantic records. They're a sort of a Maryland band. And, uh, their manager was friends with our booking agent, so we, when they would come into town, we would open the show for them, and they would always sell out. Oh yeah, and uh, hometown band. So I got to meet these guys, and I would I'd get there early and watch their sound check, and just try to soak up everything about them. They were so professional, and they treated us really well. They let us use a lot of their gear. They let us get a sound check. Oh, that's we could awesome. come, you know, talk to them in their dressing room. It's the first time I ever saw a coffee machine in a dressing room with these guys. <laughs> but they would come out on the stage like a hurricane and uh, oh, yeah. they just kill it. I'm not saying this because you're on the show. I've said this on two or three of my past episodes. They were one of the best bands I ever saw back in the day. They and came out and they, they were f- like that. They fucking crushed they it. They were like that. Yeah. And they were, you know, so that's why I just sat there. Over, you know, I'd find a table over the side and it was a huge empty club and just watch them sound check, watch what they were doing, just watch the way they carried themselves about the business. Right. Yeah, they were definitely all about the business. Um, and it's cool for me, not that I have any um, ties or connections with them, but I had seen, Stacy and I had seen Hailstorm before they got, before they blew up and yeah. became the band they are now. They were on the Jägermeister side stage at some shitty festival and fucking ohio i don't know call it 12 years ago and they blew my mind come to find out the dude from kicks who i still can't remember his damn name the singer for kicks steve whiteman thank you steve whiteman was lizzie hale's vocal coach still is her vocal coach i have a friend yeah i have a few friends that take vocal lessons from him yeah he's a monster singer but apparently he's also a monster teacher (laughs) i'll I'll tell you it's it's funny because the way steve looked back in the 80s when I, my little band was opening up for them he looks the same way now i i just i think he has some kind of just monster exercise regimen that just keeps him in not only shape but vocal shape because right. he still sings his ass off yeah i saw some footage of him from the last year or two or he's it might even been i mean the guy is a machine yeah and he's i i tell you I would put him in the top 10 front men of all time, rock and roll front men. He'd right. be, here's a guy. I mean, they did a bunch of albums on Atlantic and, you know, they toured all over the world. But, you know, you, who, how many people think of Steve Whiteman as, as one of the top 10 front men? But he is, man. I, I would agree. And I think there, I put them, because I have this very large imaginary box of, of bands that I, I put in the box that should have been mm-hmm. fucking huge and they weren't. And it frustrates me. Yeah, I put kicks in there because they should have been bigger than they were. My, just my opinion. And again, I have no allegiance to those guys. I don't. I don't. Never met those guys. I don't know anything about them, um, other than shit I've read. But I thought they were. I don't want to say late to the party, but 
There was something that just didn't click for them. Granted, they had a massive hit with Don't Close Your Eyes, and that's awesome. But in I the grand up, scheme of I everything. I ended up working with the writer of that song. Oh, did you? Yeah. Nice. In another band. Nice. But in the grand scheme of things, that's that's really all they're known for, unfortunately. I kind of lumped them in that. I put Saigon Kick in that same box. You remember that band? Yeah. They were from South Florida, I think. If I'm not 100% sure, I have to look it up. But it's irrelevant. But they're the kind of the same way. Those fucking Saigon Kick records are amazing. They were, incredible. But they, they were, they're known for the, the ballad, and that was it. You, Whatever the name of that You could go today, and, and a lot of times they'll head, headline the, uh, I think it's the M3 uh, Festival in Maryland. They'll have, they'll have all those bands. You know, They'll have the Saigon Kicks. They'll have oh, uh, yeah, yeah. the slaughters and all those bands and kicks usually headlines that show at a huge shed place called Merriweather outside of DC. I've heard of that place. And uh they'll slay. They'll oh, just yeah. kill crush it. it. Is I, it I gotta hand it to those guys. Oh yeah. It's it's almost it's almost um what's the word I'm looking for? It's tragically cool. I just made that up. Yeah it's cool. It's man. tragic that nobody knows more about them and they never got uh more popular or more famous or huger. Huger is not a word, but you know what I mean. They would but they'd come out and sit in with us every once in a while. The band I was in, there was a band I was in with another signed band, members of that band called Never Never. And, and they're still a, sort of a Baltimore institution. They're still rolling really strong. I was in that band almost 20 years. And uh, when they would play Hagerstown, we would sell out whatever venue we were in. And Steve would come out and he'd sing a couple songs with us, do some ACDC or nice. old Aerosmith and bring the house down, man. No, it was crazy. That shit's badass. The The cool part when using the tragically cool, the cool part is when you see bands like that and you go watch them, they're, they'll melt your face. Yep. They're just stupid good. Yeah, man, I, I think I think we both, what we're kind of saying here to to put a bow on that is that there were plenty of really cool bands for us to soak up. Oh, yeah. I think we had the best teachers, so to speak. Oh, Maryland was, you know, there was three or four signed bands, and I ended up playing with one or two of them, but this band called Crack the Sky I played with for a year. And uh, they were signed to Life Song. Kicks was signed to Atlantic. Another band, Face Dancer, was signed to Capitol. So there was like... Face Dancer, I like that name. That's a great name. And my friend Jeff Adams, who's a world-class guitar player, lives down here. He's actually been out to see you and me and uh, at a festival we did down in, uh, I think it was Sarasota. Oh, nice. Very cool. So, yeah, we had all these... I mean, you could go and see national talent anywhere and and just soak it up if you wanted to yeah columbia south carolina was like that in the early 2000s um in the mid 90s i was in actually early 90s i was in charlotte north carolina um and firehouses from there and they used to be called white heat i played a show with them great band they used to be a, a band called white heat before they got signed and there was white heat and stone blue and two or three other bands I can't remember that all went on to do all this cool shit. But it was the same thing. I don't think it was as big as, as Baltimore area just because that's it, more of a... The Northeast seems to have more of a... Yeah, like the, a the creative melting term, pot. Technical term is mid-Atlantic. 
Ooh, I'm, yeah. My apologies, fucker. <laughs> fucko, as we call each other. Let me tell you a quick firehouse story, then we'll go back to our regularly scheduled program. So we're. By the way, we're there. What? You have a fucking perfect voice for this. Really? Yeah. Just thought I'd tell you. <laughs> so we're 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 at this venue doing sound check, and firehouse is doing their sound check, and they and they do uh, an old Scorpion song called "Loving You Sunday Morning," and just slayed it vocals they nice. were great they were yeah. a great band they were so i want to say i was 14 15 i might have even been 16 when i was hanging out with all these bands and they could not have been nicer to me did they were they kind of known for their vocal ability back then because it yeah. seemed like they had the harmonies down yeah they they um i can't remember who was in the band stone blue except a guy named chris cook who was a phenomenal guitar player um, and I think he's still doing shit. I'm pretty sure, but I know that they would all get together and they would work on all the, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know what they were doing. I was like, yeah. fuck these dudes just sitting around singing for now that I'm musically mature. I know what they were doing. They would all sit around and work on their harmonies. One guitar, one acoustic guitar. Yeah. That was it. And there'd be five or six of them and they'd all just, God they'd all switch them. off and just do all this. And I couldn't tell you now what it was cause it was so long ago and I didn't know anything back then. But my, my guess is they were all picking where's my range, where's my pitch, where's, where's your spot? Yeah, where where's do I need to sit in this in I this harmony? That. Yeah, cuz they were doing if I'm not mistaken live they were doing three and four part harmonies. Oh, in I love in that. in pop metal. It was fucking great. I loved that. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, no cuz nobody's doing it. No. You know, if they were doing it, they were doing it, you know, in studio and canning it, but Right. Um they were singing nice harmonies live. Mhm. One of the things I like about uh, Soul Circus is, uh, man, we got a lot of harmonies in this band. There are a lot. Of I got. I like to get, turn around every once in a while and jam with Steven, you know, jam with the drummer. But it's like, oh, I got to get back to my microphone because there's <laughs> harmonies getting ready to come up in a measure or two. I can't I'm, remember I'm what song quite, it is. Quite tied to the microphone lately. You are. I can't remember what song it is. There's there's actually two or three of them. You'll take it every fucking night and it makes me laugh you'll take a step towards me and then turn around and go shit i gotta sing <laughs> it's the truth man i watch it every night like, uh-huh. uh, we got some really good singers in this band yes yes uh, there are three amazing singers in this band well billy uh billy mcknight and dewey buxton are just two incredible you got two really lead singer quality singers in the one band and fortunately i can my vocal range falls right in the middle of them right so when we sing these three-part harmonies they come out sounding really nice right well and your lead vocal is strong as well don't sell yourself That's from short. back in the day yeah don't yeah. sell yourself short but we'll we'll get to the scc thing because okay. you have an interesting story how you got into that band too so after you did all the touring and stuff or the touring for a year you did. Yep. Is that when you got into Never Never? Because you were in that no, band for I was, over uh, 20 years, right? Yes, from about late 88 to late 2008. Dude. All right. This it was is, a great band. This is for this is for my listeners. Hey, fuckers. Um, how does one stay in a band for 20 years? Um, okay. It was, <laughs> it was an easy band to be in. You didn't have to we didn't have to dress any certain way um it was all first quality players right 
and we always stayed working. Didn't I meet somebody in that band? I think you met uh, the lead singer. Okay. Uh, yeah, he, he got on harmonica. stage with us at, right. at, in, in Sarasota. Sarasota. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Super nice guy. He's been there from the beginning and just... And they're still going today, right? Oh, my God. They're an institution. Oh, it's crazy. They make a, if I can say, shit ton of money. Um, Have you not heard the F-bombs I've dropped? You can say whatever you want. Fucking shit ton of money. <laughs> and they go out and kill it. And it's stuff that's fun to play, and people love to hear it. And back when I was in the band, we were just, we played really hard. Right. We played, I mean, I used to carry extra clothes and change because we would just bear down so hard. Oh, yeah. That you'd be soaking wet with sweat by the end. Not because we were jumping off of stacks or anything, but you just, the the prerequisite of that band was you had to bear down. Right. If you Put on a damn show. You, you weren't in the band. Right. You had to bear down and play hard. And that's what I, I just got that. I got in that mode and was able to do it. Nice. And, I, and just as a side note, I've never, never been a drinker or, you know, I stay away from the, the drugs thing. So that also helped me stay on that path for right. as long as I did. Which is, which is fascinating to me because I thought I was the lone stranger of the world. Not that there's <laughs> anything wrong with alcohol or there's not i i implore many of my friends including my wife to um medicate makes my life easier but it's interesting because i don't know a whole lot of guys that do what we do that don't do anything and when i when you and i first started talking you said i don't drink and i said excuse me cliche alert yeah (laughs) i still i swear to i swear to god i still love music i still love playing still love when we're setting up or we're playing a, a big stage, when I plug my guitar in, that first time I could turn my guitar and, and hear the the sound that I can make with a guitar, it still just turns me on like it was 1974 all over again. I, I, I can I can contest to this, kids, and, and he's not being cliche because this happens literally every gig. The first note Ron hits, and I'm calling him third person even though I'm looking at his face, First note he hits, he turns around and he just beams from ear to ear and just looks at me with a shit-eating grin like he yep. just fucking his hand uh, in the cookie jar. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I love it. I really do. It's actually, uh, it when, is true. When we have a, a block of dates where we have time off, I'll, I'll get a little edgy if I can't get in you know, my little studio and, and plug a guitar in mm-hmm. and play it. Conversely, on the once again on the flip side of that coin, I love music so much that sometimes you need to get away from it too. Yes, there's there's three words when you answer a phone. Somebody will say, "What are you doing?" Technically, yeah. it's four words, but it comes out as three. What are you? Yeah. <laughs> I had to count. <laughs> I like you had to count. But my favorite thing about you is you have two versions of that of that those four words. Technically three. Playing guitar? No. You'll call me and go, hey man, what are you doing? And you're 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 fine. You're Ron. You've been playing. And then once in a while you'll call me and go, hey man, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) So you haven't played in a couple days, have you? No, how'd you know? (laughs) It's true. It's true. It's a truism. It is a truism. So how did the whole never never thing come about where you i know you touched on a second ago but i'm actually interested in this 
did you help form it or were you just recruited I was and the stayed second in it guitar forever? Play, I was the second guitar player. Second the, guitar player. Okay. The first guitar player lasted about a year and was just a, there was a rub between one of the other members. Gotcha. And they knew about me. I came in, sat, sat in with them one night and it felt good. So we just went from there. Right. And uh, I ended up staying with them, you know, through that whole time. And that's all you did in Baltimore, right? No, I did. Ended up from from that band, Never Never. I ended up getting. We were in a studio doing a an album of some original stuff of ours. There you go. And on, I was playing mandolin on a song that we had called uh, "Road Less Traveled." And at the time, the studio that we were in had a couple different studios in it, and they had a commercial production company also in the building. And somebody in somebody in that commercial production company saw that me I was playing mandolin and they hired me to do mandolin on a McDonald's song national commercial and at the time like Zydeco music was really hip in commercials so my first three or four commercials that I ever played on were just me playing mandolin uh, they didn't even know I played guitar I don't think that's so cool Till one of the engineers at the, at the studio said you know this guy plays guitar too <laughs> I started getting <laughs> sessions doing guitar work. And so I'm in uh, Never Never at night, and I'm doing session work during the day. And that was that was my life. It's got to be amazing. It was a, stressful. <laughs> well, yeah. Because you were like, you know, they then this company called Clean Cuts started having, they'd open up a, a studio in D.C. and in Rockville and in Baltimore. And they might hire you. They'd say, hey, Ron, can you do a session in D.C. in the morning? maybe one in Baltimore in the afternoon and it'd be like you'd fly down to DC in the morning, fight the traffic, play your part, get up to Baltimore, play your part and then go load up your stuff to play that night. So it was like, it was crazy. It can be a little, yeah, I'm, I'm doing math and math is not my strong suit. So yeah. Yeah. It was nuts. Don't look. It's Jimmy. <laughs> But I, you know, it kept me it kept me extremely busy. Right. Well, and it, it had to be. Um, and I don't ever talk numbers, but it had to be lucrative because you didn't do anything else. That was all you got to do. A, so I, you got was, to do it, it for was a job. Very possible to make four figures a day. Nice. That's awesome. I did it. You know that I didn't do it as forever, but for about eight or nine years, all I did was teach and gig. So where you had the sessions and gigging, I was teaching and gigging. Yeah. And I, oh my god, I loved it. It was amazing. Probably the per, for the for me personally, it was probably my best nine, eight or nine years, just personally and mentally. All I did was I made a hundred percent of my income from behind my drums. It did not suck. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would get two fifty as back then. I would get two fifty a session. No, if I was there for fifteen minutes or if I was there for two hours, it was two fifty. That's crazy. So if I could come in there and I could bust out my part really quick, um, and then later on in my time doing session work, they started to the studio started to have Pro Tools. So if I they asked me to come in and do a, a sixty second commercial, they could take my parts and cut it down for the thirty second commercial. They cut it down for the fifteen right. second commercial. Where back when they didn't have Pro Tools, I would have to do the 60-second commercial, then the 30-second commercial. And, and then the 15, 15 second. yeah. So it would take longer, but when they got the Pro Tools, it was like, do my part, I'm out. <laughs> get in, get on, get off, yeah. get out. Yep. 
I had to make it. It was like stealing money sometimes. <laughs> that was better than what I was going to say. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Yeah. So, all right. So you're in Never Never for 20 years, and you've got that whole thing going on. Were you, at, at the end, before you came down here and you left that band, was Never Never, was it 50-50 covers and originals? Was it mostly original? Where was I'd it? I'd say it. Go ahead. Covers were about 80%. Originals were, we could do probably a 40-minute set of originals at that point. How many nights a week were you gigging? Three to five. Three to five. So essentially what we do. Yes. What we do now. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. It's just flip-flop. We're 80%. When I decided to leave Maryland and move down here, I already owned a home down here, and uh, I saw the market changing in Baltimore where a lot of clubs at that time were closing. Right. So the work started to get a little thin. So I just decided that was a good jump off, jump off point. Right. Uh, you know, I left. They got somebody to replace me. I gave them enough time. I even... <laughs> you over there on the couch... You didn't fucking need to. Your ass said it for you. <laughs> wow. Just so you know, kids, just to give you a visual, there's a couch in this little green room holding area that uh, still has holding, a tag on holding it. Holding cell. The holding cell. Not our green room that still has a tag on it. And Jimmy decided to flop on it. But before he did, he um, almost shat his pants. And then he giggled about it like nothing happened. Oh. No, but I can. It, I will. I will relay the message that you ate a ten, an Italian sausage, and it is now whipping your ass. <laughs> Just don't let it affect your plane, okay? He'll be fine. Oh, he's, he's a pro. A, he's always fine. I love playing with Jimmy. One of my favorite bass players I've ever played with. There you go. I don't know what he said. I don't uh, care. Carry on. All right, so. <laughs> So you made the jump down here. Now, the cool thing about when you and I met and we started talking is you kind of reassured me, even though it was 14, 15 years apart, you went through the same shit when you moved down here that I've, that I went through. Yeah. Breaking into a, I guess a new market. Nobody knows you. And I, and I came down here to, to work on some business things really outside of music. I really wasn't trying to get back into music. Right. At that point, I just kind of, I think I needed a break. And uh, we, uh, we opened up a retail business that had to do with uh, gold. Long story, but we'll just leave that there. And uh, we did... What went on in that back room? Bro? No, we, it was very <laughs> successful. <laughs> it, was, it was some things that I'd learned from um, a bass player friend of mine in the band Cracked the Sky that I played with and great bass player played with uh, Edgar Winter Group and, and nice. uh, Roy Buchanan and, and also the bass player for Cracked the Sky he owned a pawn shop and they would do jewelry and stuff like that pawn jewelry and so I would work for him occasionally when they would have like musical equipment come in he'd have right. him come down and, and like sort of take a look at it assess it and uh, he showed me how to test gold and check diamonds and stuff like that. I learned that little side thing and cool did that shit, down though. here for a while. That's cool as shit, though. Did, did really well and then kind of burnt out. I burnt out on that business. 
yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I just started started doing little acoustic gigs around around town. That's why I met uh, Billy when I was just doing little acoustic gigs, duos and stuff like that around town. Gotcha. So when you and and Jason were playing together, yeah, you that's when you met Billy. Yeah, he came out. Okay. And, came out and sat up, sat in with us one night. Oh, nice. So I think I met Billy maybe around. 2011 or so so i knew him for about 10 years before we actually got together in a band oh see i just learned that i didn't know you'd known him that long before you got in sec yeah damn that's a while yeah i mean man I'll tell you what time flies man we're getting old dude dude it <laughs> flies because <laughs> he started billy started sec in 2009 2010 yeah is that is that when it was yeah do i have that right so so you would have met him when he was still getting his legs under him no no i think he had a history before soul circus well he yeah he he had a, a solo record come out yeah I think um, he was doing some touring and he was back yeah then too i was just talking about with plus he did the whole nashville thing he schlepped it which is i i give him credit for because man that's hard work Oof, yeah he, i wanted nothing to do with that fucking scene you know I've i never, like nashville been there you know i love a shit this ton city. of times it's a yeah. great town great town great i agree talented people but it's hard it's a fuck grind and i yeah. have no patience Oof, for it man I work my ass off. I'm a hard worker. It's not that. I just, that kind of grind I'm not interested in. I'm not that's playing work. seven hours a night for you to give me 50 bucks. Yeah, that's that's work. Yeah, fuck that. I'm too old. If I was 21, 22, yeah, I could, I would, absolutely. You don't give a shit at that point. I can go four days and not take a shower. I don't care. Uh, I was <laughs> never into that. I just... <laughs> I just wanted to be the guy. I wanted to be like your neighbor that cuts the grass on the weekends. But and went out when I went out to to work, I carried a guitar case. Right. I just wanted to be a regular schmo. Yeah, I wanted but to be a regular schmo. That means cool that means job. you're you're required to get paid for what you do. Yeah, there's that. You know, I mean, I think not. You know. I think even Jimmy would agree with this. Not, it's not about being a whore or anything. It's about when you go out and you bear down and you put your heart into it and you play hard and you care about your instrument that you get paid for it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It also depends on how, how you look at it. I have jokingly referred to myself in the past as a whore, and I'm, I wear that badge proudly. But it's also, I've, I've, I've done this for more than 30 years. And it goes to that line in Goodfellas, fuck you, pay me. Right. I'm not doing shit for free. I'm just right. not going to do it. I've worked too hard to do this and to get good at it. Okay, well, that brings us back to this point. I love music so much that if I had to do that, I wouldn't do it. I would walk away from music because it's, that would kill me. I, would, I don't want to end up hating music. So I'll go pump gas or right. do something. Right. I'll, you know, clean carpets or whatever I need to do, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna schlep and not get paid or be disrespected because it'll make me hate music, and I don't want to hate music. Right. Now, it's a fine line you have to walk, and you have to figure out what your personal threshold is. Yeah, I know where mine is. Yeah, I know where mine is, but I also know when I need a break. You and I have joked about it. There, there was a, 
I don't know, a, not a situation, but there was a couple days, I think last month, and you texted me and you had, I hadn't heard of her me in a couple of days. Are you okay? I said, yeah, I just wanted a break. I don't want to fucking talk to anybody. I didn't want to I listen like to music. That. Yeah. I get like that. I think, but I think if you do all, that, I think we all get like that. Right. But my point is, is if you do what we do as much as we do it, and if, if you recognize it and you just pull back, your threshold becomes higher of what you can tolerate. Yeah. Because you know, okay, I need to pause right now. And here. if you're not smart enough to do that, you end up like 90% of the bands that just get on each other's nerves and they fold. Yeah. So every time you take a step forward, you're taking two steps back. So yep. you need to realize yeah. what you need to do to function in this kind of business. If that means stepping away from it, you know, then step away. Yeah. Take a weekend. Go watch a bunch of dumb sitcoms or a bunch of dumb I told, movies. I think I told you that week when we did a bunch of shows in a row, my cases went in my studio and my guitars didn't come out of the cases yeah. at all. Yeah. Like, I don't even want to see a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> that's not because I hate music. It's because I just need a break from it. Right. No, I'm, I'm the same way. I've uh, Unfortunately, this week we only have one day off. I'm having a blast. No, 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 no. I don't mean the fair. I'm having a blast here, too. I mean, we're off Wednesday, but then we oh, get yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So Sunday, I'm not even turning my fucking phone on. <laughs> That's a smart thing to do. I don't want to be I, I think at. I would agree with you on that one, man. Just freaking tune out. Yeah. So, all right. So you're doing the duo thing down here. You're kind of getting your footing. So you met Billy in 2011. When did it kind of come around that you that there was a, even a an interest in you Getting in Soul Circus Cowboys. Um, I saw a Facebook post. I think it was Tampa Bay Music that Billy's band at the time, who'd been with for a while, had left to go with a local artist. So they kind of, uh, this all happened at once. They just decided to move on to another uh, situation. Right. And so I contacted Billy and I said, let's let's get together, you know, and just talk about it. I brought a guitar and we played a couple songs together and I always thought that there was some kind of chemistry there. Like at that point when Billy and I sat down together, we played a couple songs, I thought I could go into a, a bar with just my guitar and just this guy singing and we could sell a song. Right. That that's what was going through my head. Right. So that's what made me kind of like want to go through with this. So at that point we started looking for players and it wasn't an easy thing. It wasn't an easy thing to get to where we had Jimmy on the bass and Dewey and you on drums. It was a process, man. And it, right. to tell you the truth, <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I don't know if Billy wants to, wants me to say in this kind of thing, but, I called him at some point early in the process and said, I got to back out of this. I can't, yeah, I, just, I can't do this. Right. And he was like, uh, well, that sucks. <laughs> but it just, the players that we had, I just couldn't, I, man, I just couldn't do it. I it just wasn't it. working. The chem if the chemistry's not there, it's not there. I called him back. I said, look, you let me, let's try and get this thing rolling and let's see what we can do. And sh and Billy being true to his word as he is. Um, that he is. He let me have some latitude, and um, we started just 
things started happening. Dewey came on board, and we found out that the three of us could sing together really well. That was the see. That was the really start of it. I think right to get things rolling when we found out that we had three people that could sing harmonies well. Then it all started to like. Then it started to click. It started to click. So, how long officially have you been in the band? I think it's been about two years now. Okay, and how long has Jimmy been in? Close to, close, not far behind that. Okay, so you, Jimmy, and Dewey are pretty much all around the same time period. Yes. We'll call it a six-month window for the sake of argument. Yes. Okay, and then I came in, unofficially, I came in the summer of last year. Officially, it was October, right? right? Yeah, you started working on material. Yeah, I started working on material in the summer. Um, and I think that, and this, Billy has said this before, that it, it took forever for him to get, cause at the end of the day, SEC is Billy's project. That's right. Uh, but it took him a few years to get the players that, oh my God, I don't have to worry about anything. I've got this now. Oh my gosh. You know, I, I and you're kind I, of echoing I, that is what I was, is the point I, I was making. I do feel for him because, um, He's got to be up. The hardest job on stage is definitely the singers. Oh, yeah. We all know that. And to be up there and to sell the band that way and to sing, you got to have that. You got to have that chair behind you. You got to be able to lean back on it mm-hmm. and depend on the band to be there. There's so many knuckleheads out there. <laughs> you know, massive guys bending down and fucking with their pedals and, you know, good, you know, bass players that, you know, want to stop and take a drink rather than play a whole note, you know, drummers that, you know, rather look at their, uh, Twitter feed instead of playing with two hands. What am I going to eat later? Just knuckleheads. And, you know, it's easy to pull your, you know, you got to be up there and sell the band. You could be pulled out of that easily just by somebody fucking off. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting the difference one person can make in a band. I've seen it a million uh, times and it doesn't matter which one player asshole can wreck a band. Oh, absolutely. A million percent. He's sitting right here. He's sitting right here motherfucker. I don't know if I were really classified Jimmy as an asshole. Mr. Asshole. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with Mr. Asshole. Apparently he Try likes to be that. respectful when you're, you're right. You address me as Mister. <laughs> God damn it, oh, motherfucker! <laughs> Jimmy, have I told you today I love you? Oh, I, I might. I'll think about it later. So yeah, that kind of brought us to where we are now, and uh, and and I haven't really, I haven't gone into detail um, because I was waiting for you to tell it. How did you find me? I mean, I know how you found me, but sheer luck just. By looking on uh, a million Facebook. fucking posts <laughs> and a million music I think, groups. I, well, you're a drummer. Jimmy is also a drummer. He's a now he's now a bass player. I used to play drums, so mm-hmm. all I have to if I can hear a drummer for five seconds, the way they hit the drums, I know whether he's in the running or he's not. <laughs> so all I have to do is click on it. If I can hear that beat, if I can hear the way they hit two and four, how they hit the snare drum, how they hit the kick drum, how they play a fill, I, I know right then, or it's all to the next guy. Right. 
you know. So that's how that was the genesis of uh, finding you for the project because uh, you had some material out there that was just like, okay, man, this guy's playing is really nice and he's experienced and he's new to the area. Oh, well, that's even that's a that's a bonus because nobody really knows who you are. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. I still I still get the who the fuck are you and where the fuck that's did you cool. come from? I'm, I'm down with that. I am too. I'm still not sick of that yet. Because <laughs> I know eventually it's going to stop. Oh, it's just O'Reilly. Okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I have to, I have talked about it on my show that I wasn't real happy musically being down here at first, and then you guys found me because that's that's literally what it was. It's I didn't yeah. seek you out. I mean, you I knew who you guys were the whole nine yards. Oh my god, we don't we don't think yeah, we're is good. our set coming up. It's coming up, but not yet. Um, I knew who you guys were. I knew you gigged a lot and all that stuff, but I was just not happy. And then when you found me and I started figuring, did you just shit your fucking pants again? Wow. You're going to edit this, right? No, <laughs> fuck not that. No, absolutely not. Nope. Never. That's too, that's, 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 that's gold. You're it's shitting all over my podcast. This guy's over here shitting on my fucking show already. Doesn't want to do my show, but he wants to show up and shit on my show. I think he should do a show because that would be one that I would definitely want to hear. Because <laughs> there'd be some good material in that shit. <laughs> I got enough batteries. <laughs> need some good material in that one. <laughs> so anyway, what what I've what I was saying. Um, before we were so funnily interrupted, was the coolest part about us, about you finding me, is we needed each other. Meaning, I think SEC was in a place it needed, and I have nothing negative to say about the guy that I replaced. I don't know the guy. Yeah, I don't great have musician. Any, great drummer. But he, was, he didn't have enough power for you, for, for what the, the end goal of SEC is. It's you could almost use a sports analogy. Uh-oh. You could, you, you know, having a a guy on a team can make a big difference. Oh yeah, absolutely. It just it's a chemistry thing. That's it all. is. Well, it's a chemistry, and it's been and around it, long enough to know that one little tweak, yeah, can make something work. It's definitely a chemistry thing, but I think from the outside looking in, me being on the outside when this whole thing started. When I would go watch you guys, it, to me, it, it's always been a power thing, because you four up front are, are powerful as shit, and then you and Dewey and Billy singing together is powerful as shit. Jimmy was only half of the ass, you know what I mean? He yeah. was only half of the bass, and he I don't is half assed, isn't he? He really? is kind of half assed. <laughs> fucking this fucking guy over here. Anyway, anyway, no, let me take it back up to a past reference what we were talking about. Everybody in this band digs in. Yeah. It's time to play. Yes. You have to dig in. You have to dig in. You, you have to, like can't you said, lay bear back. down. No. No, 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 no. So the the most interesting part about it is, I've said this before to your face, we've all talked about it. That's why I think we needed each other. You guys needed to get to that next level of power, so to speak, to have that just crushing foundation. Yeah. And I needed to play with people that actually a fucking knew what they were doing, but B were were interested in actually playing. I didn't give a shit if it was originals or covers. I mean, I got lucky that it's mostly originals, but I needed musicians that gave a shit. Yeah, 
because that's what I was running into when I first got here was running into all these people that didn't I th- give a I shit. I think at that point you said to me that you were just about ready to can it for a couple of years. I was. I was ready to can it for about a year. I was thinking I was going to pull all my social media down. I wasn't going to do this my podcast anymore. I wasn't going to do anything. I was just going to be a fucking schlep rock and go to work every day, come home, watch TV. It just I could do that. And just not not think about it. I could do that. I mean, if if that's what it calls for, you need to do that. Then you need to do it. But it just didn't work out that way. You got you found a band that that you could kind of like, right? You know. Well, you guys don't bitch about how loud my snare is. That's for you, Todd. Go fuck yourself. Snap. He will text me. Uh, when this posts, he'll go like, well, he, didn't like your, he didn't like your snare drum too loud. No, it's the it's the running joke of Louisville. Everybody in Louisville says they can hear my snare in the next county. Oh, jeez. Come on. Everybody wants, everybody's got that small stage mentality. Yeah. You know? How small of an amp can I bring out? You know, can you play with, uh, you know, a quieter snare drum? Hey, fucking hit the thing. <laughs> The drums are loud. Fuck. <laughs> Hit the fucking drum. Okay. Is that okay? Is, I, is anybody cool with that? <laughs> you have to admit, though, I am pretty loud. And? I know you guys dig it, but when you're in the pop world, Look, that's I, not, I, that's I not know, a good thing. I know it's not always easy, easy to probably mix this band out front sometimes in certain venues, but what it just is what it is. Oh, yeah. We sound great. It is what it is. We're going to fucking play hard. It's a little loud. It's a little loud. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not, not sorry. It's not. <laughs> this ain't your grandmother's band. <laughs> At least while I'm in it, it ain't. <laughs> you know? What do we? What did Doug call him? R- Raymond James Ronnie? <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is it now? It's a, Raymond James Ronnie. Yeah, uh, that's Ray- it. Raymond James Ronnie. I... I think it's supposed to be a compliment but i don't it's a backhand anything that comes out of doug's mouth is a backhanded compliment doug's our sound guy and he's not he's he's not the most um he's he's a a curmudgeon he's our tech whatever he don't tech for me that guy don't touch my shit wow now we're gonna give doug a label it is a backhanded compliment i'll take it what the fuck (laughs) that's okay it's better than me we can we we can be loud together man that's that's the way it goes man no i i love we it move I'm, air we do move jimmy's moving a lot of air today but we're moving <laughs> <laughs> he could power a vessel <laughs> small vessel he could power <laughs> so we got to go play shortly oh uh, yeah so yeah. we should uh let's see I'm going to put you on the spot. You want to end it here? Or you want to come back? Is there anything we missed about you? I know. I think we're until, and you know what? Um, let's just tell everybody we got a new video coming out and we'll leave this one here until we got something new to talk about. Fair enough. So you start. Start We got what? this new video that I've seen. It looks awesome. It's a great song. Oh, it looks like shit. What? <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a little promotional work here. Band, yeah. 
that's the, it's the beauty of me. You never know where I'm coming from. The name of the song is Party at the Barn. It is. It was that was actually a really, really fun video shoot. And no, I'm just kidding, kids. It, it does not look like shit. Um, that was a lot of fun. The, the the only thing is I got sand in places I didn't know I could get sand. That was that, that was right. interesting. Got that right. But yes, we Can I say one thing since this is Brown Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that? Oh, yeah. I'll debate whether I'm going to leave that in or not. <laughs> you said you could edit this, but... I can. Anyway. But some of it I just choose not to because it's just too funny. But I might leave that one out. Anyway. The video. The video, yes. And just so you know, I, I was going to do that at the beginning and the end because I will, I will bookend this. All right. I'll have an intro and an outro, but we can still talk about it real quick. So yes, the video we had we had sand in places that we didn't know our gear had well, places. Because it was a party at the barn, and yes. it tends to be. Well, I have four horses, so believe me, just a trip to the barn is never well, clean. True, but we're in fucking Florida, so the barns down here have sand. True. Barns up north have mud and dirt. I'll take the sand. You make, you're not going to make me choose, right? Well, grass would be a nice thing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yes, we have we have seen how many versions have we seen? Three or four so far, and it's it's progressingly yeah. um it's progressing it's, amazingly is what I was trying to say. Yeah, it looks fabulous. it looks so good. I can't wait for it to come out. It's it's going to be. Um, it's going to be good for the band. It's going to be good for the band, but it's also good because. Uh, and I'm flaking on his name. I will look it up and put it in the intro. I'm flaking on his name, but the guy that directed it, really, really good visionary. Yeah, smashing job. Yeah, he did. He because some of the shit he was filming, we were going. We were you and I were looking at each other, going, yeah. "Where the fuck is he going with this?" And then when he brought it back, we went, "Oh, yep, oh, very, very, very nice job on that." So yeah, that's yes. off to that guy. Yes, and I will get his name, and I will put it at the front and the end of this because I'm a jackass, and I can't remember right now. And not to mention, we have to stop because we have to go on stage. All right, it's a wrap. It is a wrap. Hey, hey, Ron, by the way. Yes. I love your face. Love you. Later. Well, that's it, kids. That's the show for now. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Told you Ron had a good voice for radio. Way better than my voice because apparently the heat and the pollen in Florida doesn't like me. I don't even sound like me, but it is me, I promise. So I hope you dug it. Uh, there's a lot of good information in there. There's a lot of cool stuff happening with Soul Circus Cowboys. Uh, it's a very cool story. Ron has done some amazing things, like I told you. Make sure you go check out the video for Party at the Barn. I think you guys will dig it. If you haven't seen it, just make sure you check it out. It's awesome. If you have seen it and you dig it, thank you. Um, I don't really know what I'm thanking you for, but thank you anyway. And thank you guys for being patient and coming back and checking out the show, even though they're so sporadic. Uh, I do have some other stuff planned. I hope to put some shows in the can and uh, be able to release more. I'm not going to promise that because as soon as I promise it, I won't be able to do any, and it'll be six months before I do another one. But hopefully I will get some shows done. Uh, I've got some ideas. I've got some people I want to hang with. And I've had a couple people reach out to me. So we'll see what happens. No promises, but just be patient with me. Bear with me. 
those of you that are have been with me from the beginning and are still here, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys. Um, those of you that just drop in on an episode here or there, check out all my episodes. I've got 80, I don't know, 87, 88, 89. I've got almost 100. Uh, my buddy Steve Owens in the Fascination Street podcast just did his 300th episode. Congratulations, dude. Uh, I know I texted you that and we talked about it, but on my show publicly, well done, sir. Good for you. Keep kicking ass. Keep taking names. So make sure you check out Soul Circus Cowboy stuff. Make sure you check out the Party at the Barn video. Make sure that you keep up with all the things that are going on with me. And one last plug before I bid you adieu. I said that twice in this episode. That's really fucked up. If you go to soulcircuscowboys.com, which is our website, clearly, we have a merch section. And in said merch section, you can get everything from a cooking apron to baby onesies. No, I'm not exaggerating. But the most important thing you can get is you can buy all the records. Now, even though I'm not on the records, you guys have heard me talk about this before. I love the music of SEC. The songs are great. It's a great fucking band. Um, I think we're in a good place. But you can go to the shop and you can buy whatever swag you want. You can go buy whatever records you want, or CDs, or albums, whatever. But the cool part is, if you put in my code, you get 20% off. It's been a minute since I've been able to plug something where I give you guys a deal. But if you put in my code on the shop, you get 20% off. 20%. That's not a bad deal. Check out the band if you haven't already. I know most of you have, but there's probably a few people that haven't done it. So get off your ass and go check it out. And then if you want to buy the records, go buy the records. You can have a physical copy, liner notes, whole nine yards. You'll see some of the amazing musicians that Billy had play on the records. And, of course, Ron's on the records. So a lot of cool shit over there on the shop. So soulcircuscowboys.com. Put in my code, which is S-C-C-S-T. E V E N F A N all caps. So SCC Steven fan, you will get 20% off. And more importantly, to my Louisville people, you'll show these Florida people that Louisville supports each other. So there you go. That's it. I'm done plugging shit. Even though I plugged a beanie on my Facebook and Frank Green had to remind me that Great, just in time for summer. Well, Frank, you live in Louisville, and Louisville is drunk. It's probably fucking 30 degrees there today. And yesterday it was 90. So there you go. So that's it. I'm out of here. I'm going to uh, probably go to sleep because I'm fucking tired. Because I work a lot. But I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you check out SEC stuff. I hope you check out Ron's playing. There's video footage of him everywhere. Uh, he's an amazing guitar player. He's my first friend in Florida, and uh, I'm happy to call him a friend, and I'm I'm proud and honored to be on stage with him every night because he's just that damn good. So as I say at the end of every single fucking episode, no matter how far apart they're spread, <gasps> go do some shit. That's right. Go do something. Go figure out something. Go learn a new skill. Go practice your instrument. 
Go to the top of a high-rise building and watch the sunset. Go smack your wife's ass when she's not looking. That's always weird. I do that to Stacy. She hates it. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I gotta get the fucking sand out of everything because I live here in fucking Florida with fucking sand and everything. And I'm just sand. I just never fucking stop. Fucking sand. So until next time, I will talk with you soon.